most hot topic about it, what makes it um, different, where the divide stands, you know? Um, mm-hmm. So for um, Democrats, I believe that a very hot topic has to be with um, raising minimum wage, it has to be with raising taxes, you know, especially for, um, you know, we want to raise taxes for the rich um, and upper class citizens. Um, it comes with people have a fear of socialism and think of us as socialists a lot with a lot of our viewpoints, um, healthcare, education, stuff like that um, for free. Um, also, when it comes to the environment and it comes to global warming and obviously at the end of all this is abortion rights. Um, for those, I think I pretty much summed it up. If it, is there anything else I'm missing? Um, I, well, I know that uh, on the Republican side, uh, we basically are opposed to most of the ideas that the Democrats are for, but we do have some common ground on certain issues. I know one of the big uh, issues that the Republicans talk about are immigration and how to control uh, the influx of immigrants trying to come into the United States mm-hmm. illegally. And we also uh, are opposed to abortion uh, rights. So I think that's about it for me. That's all I can think of. Okay. So I think we should, before we get to, you know, abortion, because that's a big one, I think we should start with immigration. So as a Republican, what are your thoughts of when it comes to immigration? So immigration, I'm not against immigration. I'm a... Uh, great grandson of a immigrant who of immigrants. Uh, one side uh, came from Ireland, the other side came from Italy. So I'm not against uh, people coming to America. I think I believe that people should be coming here legally and not trying to illegally cross the border. So that's what my view is, point is as uh, a Republican. Okay, as a Democrat, for me, it's. I feel like when it comes to immigration, there's a lot of stereotypes and I feel like a lot of people don't really know much about the process. I'm one of those people who haven't really done that much research into the whole immigration process. But from what I do see of it, I see that I feel like it's a difficult process for a lot of those. Um, From what I've heard about it is that basically there's a huge language barrier because to become, to come here to America as an immigrant, you have to learn how to speak English. You have to be able to understand the questions you're gonna be asked. And there's a lot of political tests. I remember having a class and they gave us a test that had to do with history and politics and governments. And they said, if you didn't have a specific amount correct, 
You would not be allowed to come to America if you were an immigrant. And it was a hard test. Mm -hmm. Now imagine somebody who is struggling to learn English. Now I've tried to learn Spanish and it's been a difficult road for me. So I could never imagine having to, you know, have no money, learn a different mm -hmm. language on my own, and on top of that be tested. And this test is very vital for me to come to another country to live for the rest of my life. You know, um, that's why yeah. a lot of immigrants, they go as far as we see TV shows capitalizing off of immigration status, off of, you know, the green card, like 90 Day Fiance, where they come over and they get married and they're legally able to stay here because they need sponsors, you know? Um, and I mm -hmm. feel like it's a very abusive system that there's a lot of sex trafficking that goes on behind it with people trying to come here illegally. It's very dangerous to come down here, especially as a female, because like I said, tra sex trafficking, like there's a lot of people who can just buy, basically buy a bride. If you want to come here to America as a female, all you need to do is basically go online. You can find any American guy who probably wants to buy a bride, you know? And as you said, with the language barrier, um, some women can't understand some people and then they wind up uh, getting forced into a sex trafficking ring because of their uh, language barrier. Yes. So that's even like worse with the trauma and all that. And it's just very, and it also costs us money as well having to build walls and other things. And I know there was a whole, I guess there was a whole fuss about, um, I was reading articles um, about Donald Trump and how we were not supposed to blow up Native American land. And while we were building these walls, we accidentally blew up the majority of this Native American land. That wasn't just their land, it was a burial site for the ancestors. So, mm. <laughs> what are your thoughts on that? I'd also, I'd like to also point. Well, I'd, let me first point out is uh, this idea that President Trump came up with isn't actually original. Uh, under the uh, George W. Bush administration, they tried to uh, do the same thing, and they also decimated a lot of Native American burial grounds, which was not very uh, supportive with the Navajo Nation and the other. Uh, Native American tribes that border the uh, southern mm -hmm. border. So, but I just wanted to point that out. It's not just President Trump. It was the Bush administration. Mm -hmm. I'm just saying as a, I know it's not just with um, Donald Trump, but I just think that's even more traumatic, you know, that we're actually not only, only destroying land to build this huge wall, which was you know, said to not even be able to stop people from coming in, that wouldn't make a difference, and having it destroy burial mm -hmm. sites for people, you know, um, when we have treaties, plenty of treaties, which throughout the years have been broken between Native Americans and us, when that's another um, reason why I'm with immigration and think that we should allow immigrants into the U.S. It's because even even um, though immigrants come, may come here illegally or whatever, they are not stealing jobs. They are getting the jobs that 
nobody else wants to take. They're getting underpaid. Um, they're working longer hours yeah. with little to no pay and being abused in that way. And they're also still paying taxes as well, which is a big yeah. thing. That's a big deal. Because there's so many stereotypes about immigrants coming here and taking, stealing jobs and, and um, not paying taxes or anything. When that is not the case, that's a huge stigma. And I feel like it's also a racial stigma because a lot of people see mm -hmm. Hispanics and think that they are um, stereotyped as lazy um, because of these stigmas that we have about immigrants coming here who are, you know, come from that race, you know? Mm. So that is the reason why I think that the wall is ridiculous. I think they should just be allowed to come here. Or if not, I just feel like the system that is set up for them is very unfair and this should be lessened than how it is now because there's a lot of disadvantages for somebody to try to mm -hmm. even get to America. And the fact that they can just get married you know, after just a few days of knowing somebody or not at all until they show up here is very dangerous <laughs> process to mm. go through. Well, that's and that's the thing is immigration reform has been trying to be passed for years. And then it's been both parties have met, met a compromise. So there's always a stall mm. with this reform. But like uh, to clarify... I'm I'm against a border wall, and like I said, the the Republican Party's not against uh, immigration. We just want that we want people that want to immigrate to the United States to come here legally and follow the current immigration mm -hmm. process. Yeah, so that's where we stand. I think we can come to common ground and say that there does need to be. Um, immigration reform. Am I correct? Okay. Oh, that is definitely <laughs> correct, yes. Okay. <laughs> yes, first topic. Okay. So, second topic, um, let's go to social, um, so, damn it, socialism. Okay. Um, I'm going to have you start it off because you have a lot to say about it. <laughs> so, let's see what you got to say. Socialism. Okay, well, I mean, as Republicans, most of us are um, for, we're very patriotic. So we love our country and we love everything America. And, you know, throughout, we had a whole war related to the spread of socialism and communism that was, you know, World War, uh, the Cold War uh, and the eventually led to the collapse of the USSR, um, which was, you know, now Russia. And uh, that was a big, scary thing to a lot of Americans. And uh, we like capitalism in our country. That's our form of economic uh, system. That's our economic system that we use here in the United States. Communism is, is the, you know, the official... Uh, this is the official economic system for the USSR, 
which you know has which believed in like ever the you know everyone having the same fair thing. The issue is, you know, we don't like the Republican Party doesn't like socialism and communism because it doesn't stand for American values and how the country was started because we were started as a capitalist nation and that's how we want to continue. So what's your views on this, Selena? um, As somebody who's been called elitist, (laughs) um, that has to do with the whole wage thing, which is another topic I'm going to get into. Um, I feel like there should be a balance um, when it comes to capitalism because there's a lot of negatives Mm -hmm. that come with it. Like, I understand economically, it is great. You are going to make more money out of your buck doing that, you know? But there is a lot of negatives that come from it that isn't talked about you know when we capitalize ourselves you know there's negatives such as um child labor we go and we outsource to other countries and we have children who are working in these dangerous factories and stuff producing materials and goods for the u.s and we are paying them next to nothing to work long hours for us to capitalize off of and make more money instead of making more American jobs. Um, um, mm-hmm. On top of that, um, we are also losing culture as well because we are forcing, um, we're going into different countries and outsourcing you know, people to work for us who do not speak English. You know? So we are forcing, you know, if you, basically to get better jobs and get better pay, you need to learn English you know, when it comes to America. And because of this um, capitalism, um, that is what caused language barriers and languages to die, is because we are not able to have, you know, multiple languages. We are just depending on one sole language to be in America and make money. And this has been proven In my cultural anthropology course, we actually learned about this, that those who speak proper English in America get higher pay, salaries, Mm -hmm. higher up leadership positions versus those who cannot speak proper English. They are left to be either very high risk of unemployment rates or come from low class families. It's It's a whole, you know, class system when you really look at it, because it also stems down to how you grew up and how you were raised, uh, raised in the culture. You know, if you come from a Hispanic family, they might just speak Spanish and you might not necessarily be able to speak in, you know, proper English with bigger words as somebody who may have been raised living in an upper class, you know, family who uses a lot of Um, big, you know, terms and proper English and focuses on that as being very important, you know, because if you go to a more um, lower level um, class system, then you are going to see that there's what is considered and called slang terms, which is slang. And it's a whole different English than the English 
that gets people higher up paid, you know, paying jobs. And that's where capitalism comes into. And so I think there does need to be a balance, but there's also a lot of negative stuff that come with it. And this balance is that when it comes to $15 an hour, minimum wage, um, as mm. a Democrat, mm-hmm. I'm supposed to be so for it. And I'm not for that. I am not for that. And I'm going to have a lot of heat for that. But I am not for $15 an hour minimum wage. And that's why I said I was called elitist. It's because they were like, how are you going to say you don't want a living wage, you know, um, for people? And that's not the idea. People have this idea if we keep raising and raising and raising this, our wages that we are going to be able to live off of these wages. And we've seen year, we've seen year, year, year after year. This is not true. This is not true at all. It's actually unethical. Um, Because we've it creates yeah, a higher creates standard of living. Standard of um, living, when we raise it, it raises taxes, it, you know, expenses. It actually makes it a lot worse for um, small businesses and Black-owned businesses take the biggest hit out of this. And this is why I am strongly against $15 an hour, because I know once we get there, it's just going to keep going up from there. What? We're going to have be be a society, be Connecticut with $20 an hour, $25 an hour. And one of those people I would like to thank for that yeah. is Rosa DeLauro. You know, I do not agree with that. You know, she can say that she's part of working families and this and that. But if she really supported working families, she would not be for that because people deserve to have um, benefits, jobs that provide benefits and long hours if the more wages we raise means there's going to be less job hours and no benefits because we're going to have more temporary jobs for those who don't have degrees you know because <laughs> and the thing is we have some common ground on this issue because uh, republicans are highly against uh the rates of minimum wage because as you said, it would make uh, the cost of living unbearable for most citizens. And as, as Connecticut, lifelong Connecticut residents, we both know that right now, with the, especially with the pandemic, uh, and even without the pandemic, it, it's, we have a high cost of living here in Connecticut. And we have a lot of taxes that are a burden on us, the taxpayers. But also, um, I'd like to give a shout out and to... Uh, Governor uh, Dan Malloy, who was the governor that actually signed uh, Connecticut's raise the minimum wage law into effect. And thanks to him, uh, this is why we're having issues mm-hmm. here in Connecticut. Just mm-hmm. Congresswoman <laughs> DeLauro. Um, and I just want to finish off with the whole socialism because I went over the whole capitalize, you know, and all that. Um, when it comes to socialism, um, like I said, there needs to be a balance. Now, when it comes to health care, I believe that everyone should have equal health care because there's so many people who die because they don't have health care. And that should not be a thing. We should be able to give every single citizen 
healthcare. You know, people shouldn't be dying because they're poor. And that's the worst thing I think that destroys societies is having people, you know, being poor shouldn't be a death sentence. And that's where I stand with that. Mm-hmm. Um, I just want to, before I give you an answer on social, my additional views on socialism, so I wanted to point out before, so with uh, the English language is now, uh, it's the official language mm-hmm. of commerce, and it's also the official language of diplomatic uh, mm-hmm. things. So like whenever uh, two public officials get together from different countries, they usually try to speak English because it's easier uh, to, you know, instead of having each uh, foreign leader learn a different, you know, le- learn 20 different languages just to talk to uh, uh, like two different world leaders. But uh, with socialism, the only issue I have with it really is that it doesn't hold American values, but um, I also, with the insurance issue, you know, I agree that we need some type of insurance plan that, uh, so everyone can have a reasonable amount of insurance, but the thing is, it shouldn't be at the uh, taxpayer's benefit to get, uh, you know, to have insurance. And granted, yes, I'm on state-assisted, I'm on state, uh, you know, say Husky insurance and that's paid and footed by the taxpayers of Connecticut. Um, however, you know, I don't hope, hopefully I don't have to live off of this uh, insurance forever, but it shouldn't, because if we try to, if we do uh, a Medicare for all type plan as the Bernie Sanders and Joe Biden uh, people are trying to uh, push, it would basically raise our taxes and other, you know, other uh, payments that we have to do in order to guarantee that every American citizen in the United States has, uh, you know, well, health insurance for all. Well, that's, and that's the thing, just too. My I think it also depends on the states and what they are doing with their money as well. Because um, another topic I was going to bring up along with that is free education. Um, as you know, my tuition is fully paid for for UConn. The only thing I have to pay out of pocket for is student fees, which is a lot of money still. <laughs> and my books, which is a lot of money too. <laughs> you know, so I'm not fully going for free, you know, but I am more, you know, grateful that I have my tuition paid for and covered, you know, so that's the only thing I got to worry about is fees and books. So, um, but I will say if it wasn't for having my tuition completely free I would not be able to afford to go to a four-year university and then probably have to spend a lot of my youth you know a lot of my 20s just working and working and working and working full-time to you know um be able to pay off you know um payment plans and all this and that because the worst thing somebody could do is taking out loans we should not give that as an ultimate ultimate option that you know that's like the ultimate option for someone who can't afford colleges oh well we're offering you student loans so if you don't take it that's on you that shouldn't be an ultimate last resort option for students because 
A lot of times high interest rates with that. And the reason we have high interest rates is because of the fact that upper class and the 1% do not want to raise their taxes. So because they want to pay a little bit extra out of their pockets, we, the lower class, middle class students who cannot afford college, we have to make up for it and pay high interest costs for college. That's why we are $1 trillion in debt when it comes to paying off for college and for a bachelor's degree. That's supposed to automatically make us more, you know, advanced in our careers and it's supposed to give us a step up. And it's very hard to do that, you know? Um, so I'm very grateful for that opportunity to have mm. free education, you know? Um, as for, um, like healthcare and all that and free education, I believe that we can't, I believe we can be able to, those are two things I think everyone should be able to have. Like if you're getting good grades and you're low income, I just don't think you should struggle with that for the rest of your life with, and be burdened with it for the rest of your life with student loans and high interest rates just because the upper class doesn't want to pay extra taxes. Um, now, I don't mean like to mm. like give them such an enormous, enormous amount of taxes to pay, but I mean, like, look at Donald Trump. He only paid like what, $745, not even thousand, 740 something dollars. Am I right? Mm. Yeah, that's about it, but I, you know, that's that statement was coming from a liberal leaning uh, newspaper, so you can't. Take well, that. You well, have to take that with a grain of salt. <laughs> they give the rich so many tax breaks. Like, that's ridiculous that I freaking had to pay thousands of dollars, way more than that. And I am low income. Low income. <laughs> you know? Um, oh, yeah. So, yep. for that, I just think that we need to um, re um, allocate where our funding is going. And what our taxes are paying for. And if we can do that, then we won't have to raise taxes for lower and middle class working families, you know? And when you have a middle ground with the upper and, and rich, you know? That's my opinion. Yeah, yeah the thing with the, you know, with the education issue for me, you know, I'm happy that the University of Connecticut did that for you know their students but uh, you know i think they're going to have they're going to find in a few years that their budget's going to be running thin and they're already asking the state for too much as it is uh with their fiscal budget every year because they always ask for an increase every year even though uh they have to cut all the time and they wind up giving their president and all their chief executives uh big races, which uh, the state legislator criticizes them on all the time. Um, but I know for me, you know, I'm sorry, I've already spent two years in school, you know, at a previous institution, and I'm going to hopefully get into an, this institution, which is a private uh, college, and they, so they offer loans. Uh, I'm trying to offset that by hopefully getting some scholarships. Which is another thing because scholarships aren't readily available and um, all year round because it's only either you get the fall semester or the spring semester. 
and I know that I'll probably be winding up, you know, going into some debt just to uh, get just to get my associate's degree, and then I'm going to be getting more. So to get with my career choice, I have to have mm-hmm. a master's degree. Well, so. I just want to point out that um, for the University of Connecticut, um, the reason they are able to offer that is and raise, you know, um, salaries and all that is because of the fact that the reason we give them so much money is because they do bring in the majority of money into Connecticut. They bring in millions of dollars. And on top of that, they bring in a lot of tourism as well to the state because there's a lot of people. It's a very popular college, okay? And there's people, like if you, anywhere you go, I think if you say UConn, everyone's going to know what college you're talking about, you know? It's just one of those colleges that's well-known and people travel thousands of miles from home just to go to it, you know? But my only issue, my only issue is why, if they brought in so much money, why did they have to cut so many of their academic, uh, not academic, athletic programs? Because I think now they're only offering either one or a few uh, of the uh, athletic programs where they used to have a plethora of. Uh, well, I part of I academic, can't say I mean, the, athletic. Re- the main reason behind uh, it, but I know there's some um, underlying causes of it. Well, first of all, scholarships, when they took away some of these these athletic Mm -hmm. programs, they didn't just take away the athletic programs, they had also taken away funding for it, such as big time scholarships they were giving away. So they cut the cost of that on top of um, cutting Mm -hmm. out scholarships that would go specifically to people who played those sports to save them money. And also with the coronavirus, it made it even worse for them financially speaking because of the fact that they lost millions of dollars that they usually would get depending on international students and out of state students to come down here and stay in dormitories. So those those are some underlying (laughs) as well as well even though Mm -hmm. they do bring in the most money the same thing could be said for the community colleges here in Connecticut as well. Um, One of the reasons that they are combining all of the community colleges is due to the fact that if they didn't, they would get bankrupt because they keep raising salaries for um, the professors and they are overstaffing a lot of these community colleges when they should be limiting the amount of people who work in them. You know? True. Because we both went to the community college, so we know. You know, even though... Um, we had a lot of um, work-study students and stuff like that. Um, a lot of them lost jobs due to them hiring more staff team, you know? And uh, it was like, I would say a ratio of probably what? One work-study student to like what? Maybe five, depending, five staff members, depend. The, yes, depending, depending on the depending on the department, I know. I know that the department I worked in when I was a work study student in uh, Middlesex was, uh, what was it? Uh, there were three student workers, so there was me and two other young ladies that worked in there. And the, besides us, the only two paid staff uh, members 
was a part-time uh, education specialist and the director uh, herself. Well, it's who not was just full-time. that either. It's also the fact that um, from my years as a student at Middlesex, I've also seen um, a lot of people not want to leave. Um, I'm not going to say names. One of them was my advisor, who was an amazing professor but she was there way too long and they just couldn't afford to keep her on payroll you know so it's either even though it's illegal to force retirement it was either she retire or they weren't going to sign her another contract because it was ending you know because the longer they stay on payroll the higher the salary goes up you know Mm, I think I I think I know who you're talking about, but I am not going to name names either. But I thought she would have been of retirement age. So, I don't know. I don't know. They they, they had... A, they had uh, I know I they forced a few about. other yes. uh, <laughs> who people. Who they had to, because they were just... Um, yeah. I would... I'm going to repeat what my, my current advisor told me, which is soaking up the payroll you know that the very pay little payroll that she has and she said mm-hmm. and my current advisor told me when it's her time to retire she will retire on time because not only does it take up a lot of the payroll it also takes away jobs for you know younger generations who come out of college you know we shouldn't be having to come out of college and find no jobs because people are staying longer than what they're supposed to when they have full benefits and can retire when they want to, mm-hmm. you know? Yes. Because most of them retire now, I understand, with a pension. I understand if you can't retire, yeah. if you don't get full benefits and you have to work, you know? But I don't see the reason why someone should stay on there if they have full benefits, you know, and they can just retire when they're supposed to, which yeah. is, I'm saying, I'm saying, like I'm not trying to tell Especially people if you're when working to retire, but I'm saying there is a um, precedent for when to retire when we set that age, you know, where you're able, when we set the legal age to mm-hmm. retire, you know, that's set the precedent for when a person's supposed to retire, you know? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, not work 10 years after that. Yeah, but I mean, and the same mm-hmm. thing goes with public school teachers too. And not just uh, college professors, because you'll have someone like, for example, I'm not going to name his name, but my one of my history teachers, he's taught three generations of of, uh, people that lives in Middletown. So and I know, well, he's Mm -hmm. set to retire, I think, in a few years anyway, um, because he's reached that. I think he's well, he's actually around the same age as uh, Mm -hmm. a family member of mine. I think we could agree with that (laughs) with some things there. (laughs) So I think um, the next, let's go to the next topic, um, which is finally abortion. Yeah, the (laughs) issue that we have regretted to talk about. For abortion, I will say that. I believe that those who I am pro-choice. Um, I believe that those who are against it are against it due to one of two reasons: one being religious reasons. Um, yes, 
and yep, like two, me. being uneducated mm-hmm. as well, because there's a lot of people mm-hmm. who assume that an abortion is automatic automatically means that it is physical, that you're going to have to get a surgery and get it removed that way when that is not the truth. Okay. Hold on a minute, Selena. Mom, I'm recording a podcast, if you don't mind. I'm not talking. I'm not saying niece. I'm recording. That's okay. <laughs> sorry about that, Selena. Um, <laughs> sorry for that interruption. <laughs> so, um, mm. so when it comes to abortion, like I said, I think it comes. I think the people who are against it are one of two things. Um, either it's because of their religion, or mm-hmm. they're against it because. Which, by the way, um. You can be pro-choice and still be religious, you know. Um, there's a bunch of religious people who are pro-choice, you know. That doesn't make you any less religious, in my viewpoint. And for those who I say are uneducated, when I say that, I'm not calling anybody, I'm not saying anyone has a low IQ or nothing. I'm just saying that when it comes to uneducated, I'm saying a lot of people don't know the process that happens in an abortion. People assume from TV shows that try and scare people out of it is they assume that automatically means that you're going to go in there and you're going to go and you're going to have surgery done or, or something crazy. And that is not the case at all, actually. Um, the majority of the time people go in to get abortions actually get the pill. Um, the only time it's going to be anything like um, physical besides the pill is if you are so late term. And there's a lot of um, protocols and policies that have been in place that has made it even harder for females to get abortions. So it's not like you can just go in late term pregnancy and get an abortion like that. That does not work that way. Um, they actually have a bunch of policies in place for you to follow that makes it very hard for you to get one if you're late term, which is the main reason you would want to get one is because you might die from it. Certain health complications, mental health reasons, um, assaults, rape, those are the main reasons for getting it done that way. Besides that, you are not going to have to be put through that. They will just give you a pill and it's actually... Um, I don't know if it's still one, but um, I know years ago, I'm not going to say names, I knew somebody who had actually had one um, done to her, and they actually gave her two pills. So there was one pill she had to take, and then, like, I guess a second one they give you, and it just, it makes you bleed a lot and all that, and um, she had her own reasons for doing it. But if she were to have it late term, I'm not sure she would have been able to even get it done on top of um, the laws in place for the exact time to get it done. So if you're so late, you can't even get it. So, but that's what I'm trying to clear up is that you're not going to be able to get a physical late term abortion without seeking um, a medical emergency for doing so. But if you catch it early, you can take the abortion pill. and also for uneducated, I think it also happens to um, a lot of people who are um, educated on sex, aren't educated on what plan B pill is. You know, if a condom breaks, what do you do? You know, a lot of people aren't educated with that or have the resource or money to get it. 
um, because not every state covers certain um, pills for females to take. Um, Connecticut is one of those few states that do. So I'm happy to be a woman here in Connecticut, um, being able to have a choice in my life. So that's where I stand. And that's where a lot of Democrats stand with that is being pro-choice. Um, so now it's your turn. <laughs> so uh, since Selena's uh, pro-choice, I am the opposite, which is pro-life. Um, as a practicing Roman Catholic, I am totally against abortion. Uh, I believe it's morally wrong. Uh, it viol- to me, it violates the fifth uh, commandment, which is thou shalt not kill. Um, and there's also the catechism mentions it uh, in detail as well, but I do not have the catechism in front of me to reference it. So you could look that up uh, if you'd like to. But um, essentially, that is what uh, my stance is. Okay. And I feel like there is no common ground when it comes to abortion between the two Democrats and the Republicans. But for um, for being a Democrat, I will say yes. that I strongly believe that um, there is um, a divide between religion and um, law for a reason, you know? Um, and... I, mm-hmm. you know, separate, what is it called? <laughs> yeah, separation, separation of, of truth and state. state. Yes, I believe that is there for a reason. And we should um, always put that into consideration. You know, um, I believe we need a transparent, um, you know, transparent policies, tra- you know, transparent governments when making decisions that aren't just what mm. our morals, but the morals of everyone else. You get what I'm saying? It shouldn't just be about what we believe in, what we morally value. It should also be put to consideration the people we affect with those morals that we hold. Um, I did remember mm-hmm. something I wanted to just bring up real quick. Um, so as most Catholics that are old enough to remember... Uh, contraceptives weren't always readily available to Catholics because uh, contraceptives weren't, you know, believed to be uh, natural from God. So uh, it wasn't until the pontificate of uh, Pope uh, St. Paul VI who uh, enacted an encyclical, um, I don't remember the name in uh, Latin or English, but it was about human uh, life, and uh, it's when the church finally uh, decided to use contraceptives. But you know, we weren't we didn't even believe in using condoms either. That's how uh, you know strict the church was back then. But you know, a lot of people still follow you know rules, the old rules of the Catholic Church. But also, I personally don't believe in the belief of separation of church and state because the church uh, actually created the state. So without that, um, there's no precedent. That's why the founding fathers tried to put it in. But uh, it's actually being misconstrued on what the founding fathers originally meant by that issue. Okay. So that's all I'm going to say and on the topic. I think that's the final thing I have to say on it as well. 
Is there anything else, any other topic that you would like to discuss? Or do you think we are good? <laughs> okay. We're so good. I think we should just make a conclusion. <laughs> so what would you conclude about like the common ground between Democrats and Republicans? Um, at the end of the day, uh, both parties are here to try to make America better. Uh, yes, we might have our disagreements on issues, but uh, essentially we're here for America. We are Americans and we can all find common ground of somehow somewhere for me i think that we need to have there's a lot of things that need to be changed and there's a lot of reform that has to happen and it's just hard to get reform and change to happen with specific um topics that we mentioned because of this divide between republicans and democrats mm-hmm. as we've seen with the differences dividing us um with a stimulus check. I think we need to come together and try and put some stuff beside us to get things done. Because there has, hasn't has been major changes really since COVID-19 has happened. That's caused a shift with politics more than ever. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> are blank. So that's all for today. <laughs> so thank you for all you who have took the time to listen to me and Anthony and I hope you guys enjoyed and feel free to tell us what your opinions are. Thank you. Bye.